Why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 11? And we're in a a season, not really a series. It's more of a season called Forward. And are you enjoying the 21-day devotional that our staff wrote for you? I am so, I've been reading along with them and, 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 uh, and I don't know who wrote which one, but you can turn to the end and figure out who wrote which one. Like I know the ones I wrote, but, but, but I'll like read it and then say, I wonder who that was. I turn to the end and like, man, good job, Josh. And so anyways, um, our, our, our great challenge. Anyways, it's, just, it's awesome. So, so, um, so are you enjoying that? So we're in a season, a season called for, and by the way, let, let's welcome those who are watching online. Hey, if you're watching online, doing church online today, we love you so much. Thank you for participating with us. And, uh, and we just pray God blesses you. Um, but, but we're in this ser- series, but also a season called forward. And, and this week we've had phenomenal, uh, worship and prayer times. We're having, uh, worship at all of our prayer times. So, so Tuesdays, at six and Thursdays at six and then yesterday at nine o'clock and and it's just different there's just something different and more people are showing up than we've ever seen that's kind of fun for a pastor because you know it's I don't know if you know this but there's nothing more disappointing than a pastor call a prayer meeting and then he gets there that that can hurt a pastor because it's like this you know but but I learned a long time ago because my grandfather was a pastor and this is what he taught me you only look at the people who are there you do not think about the people who did not come, right? And if you didn't come, by the way, we prayed for you. We prayed God would wake you up. And uh, I'm just kidding. Anyways, but I've been encouraged by the people who have been coming. We've been worshiping. By the way, if you want to join in, Tuesday at 6, Thursday at 6, Saturday at 9. Um, so lots of, lots of cool things. We had a worship night the other night that was, um, man, it, I, by far the best worship night I've ever been in. I think it, it was just, so we're in a season called 21 where we're moving forward. And uh, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to continue uh, that series. Last week, we kind of talked about hunger. This week, uh, I want to talk about, uh, really talk about prayer. I have such a burden for prayer. And I know, by the way, I know as a pastor, you're like, oh God, I came to hear a message on prayer. What, what I am going to tell you today would absolutely revolutionize your prayer life to the point that you would see results. So here's what I'd say. If you're seeing all the results you'd ever want to see with your prayer life, you may go now. All right, then let's jump into the message. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be. Luke's gospel is uh, probably the second written uh, gospel account. Luke was not one of the 12 apostles, by the way, neither was Mark. Mark uh, got his intel mostly from Peter. Luke also got a lot of information from Mark's gospel and from Mark, but... but um, but he was his his was written a little bit a little bit differently because we believe Luke was probably a Gentile. He he was not a Jew, even though he was obviously familiar with Judaism and the Septuagint, because you can tell from his writing. But you can also tell that he took out a lot of the religious Jewish tradition and, and some of the talking around. And 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 he wrote his gospel account to someone named Theophilus. We're not exactly sure who that is, um, but he wrote it and he said, "I want to give you an accurate account of." things fulfilled so basically that you can have a stronger faith in what you've believed and so Luke writes he was the most prolific writer uh, in the Bible in fact he wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else most people miss this he only wrote two books but he was like me he was long-winded and so uh, he wrote the gospel of Luke which is the longest gospel account and he wrote the book of Acts and so he is credited with writing um 
I think about 27 to 28% of the New Testament where Paul is more, even though he wrote 13 books, he's more at 24, 25%. Uh, and, so, and so Luke writes, he's the most prolific. He was a physician. He was an associate of Paul, uh, the, the, the Bible tells us. And, and what I love about Luke's gospel is because he's a physician and maybe because he's a Gentile, he, he writes the gospel as though Jesus is the savior of the world. Um, Matthew's written more to the Jews. It really, he really, is that, that, that this is finally the line of the tribe of Judah. And this was the, the Savior who was prophesied to, to come and to save the Jews. Luke, Luke seems to make him everybody's Savior. And I like that. And Luke also focuses in more on his humanity. And um, all the gospel, we talked about this last week, but all the gospels give us different perspective. Matthew shows him as a king or the lion, and John shows him as God in the flesh or, 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 or the face um, of the eagle and um, and Mark more the servant the ox but but Luke is more like hey he he was a man and, and I think that we really need to understand that there is there's and, and not that I want to teach this because I had to go through it in Bible school that's bad enough but but there is the deity and the humanity of Jesus that he was God but he was man and and that when he walked on this earth he was God in flesh he he was God that had become man and the reason that he was God was he was sinless so you have to have that as your understanding in theology that that he was a sinless man because he had to die for the sin of the world he had to be the lamb of God without spot or blemish to be an acceptable sacrifice. And we know that he was judged by the world, by Pilate. And Pilate said, I can't find a fault in him. And he was judged by God. And God says, my son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, I can't. So Jesus was a sinless man and he was sinless because he was God, but he was man. And everything that he did on this earth, he did as a man, not as a God. If he did it as a God, it had no redemptive value for us right? Because you can't kill a God. So he had to be, he had to be murdered so he could be raised to life again, right? So that God could make dead things alive. And we were a bunch of dead things, right? And so you have to understand that the deity of humanity, what I love about Luke's gospel is that he shows him as a man and Luke focuses in on, on an aspect of his life that, that is seen throughout the Gospels. In fact, 25 different times throughout the Gospels, you will find Jesus praying. But Luke gives us seven different revelations of prayer and instances of prayer uh, and even teaching on prayer that, that are not in the other Gospels. And I like it because if you think about it, Luke is showing us that he's a man. And as a man, he seems to focus more on the prayer life of the man. I think that might, might be significant that Jesus was a man and as a man, he thought it was very important to pray. I'm just wondering if you're a man or, or a woman. I wonder if we could take, take something from that. And so... In Luke chapter 11, we're going to get some teaching on prayer. This verse, verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. This is something that he did frequently. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, look at this, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, now you're going to recognize this because it's going to look very much like the Lord's prayer, if you will, that, that we see in Matthew chapter 6. Um, I want you to understand this is not the same 
because gospels have overlaps, you know, the gospels, they have different overlaps. And, and sometimes you read about this, you know, there's miracles that occur and all. This is actually the Lord's prayer is given on the Sermon on the Mount. So you need to understand the timeline. So that was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is about two and a half years later. This is, this is when he's making his last circuit before going back to the cross or going to the cross. And so this is two and a half to three years after the Lord's prayer. But I say that because it is the Lord's prayer. It's the same. What we know is the Lord's prayer. It's, it's the same verbiage. It's, it's, it's missing one sentence at the end to yours is the kingdom of the glory and the power forever. Amen. But, but I want you to understand Jesus started his ministry teaching. This is how you pray. And he ended his ministry teaching. This is how you pray. Right. And so it said, Jesus said to them, father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and, and, and don't let us yield to temptation. Um, then, then verse five, then, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. By the way, I'm not your friend. You say to him, a friend of mine has, has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. Time out, probably a one bedroom, one, one room house and the family would have all slept kind of in a pile together for warmth. And so what he's saying is if he gets up, he has to wake up all the kids and the wife and the whole house and possibly animals that they would have brought in to keep warm as well and to keep them warm warm as well. And so he's saying, hey, he, he's, he's got, it's not just tucked in, but everybody's tucked in together. You understand what I'm saying? And he's saying, so I, I'm not getting up. And he says, I can't help you. Verse eight, but I tell you this, though he will not do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking, everybody say, keep knocking. Long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. Everybody say, keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you for whoever asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be Open. Now I called on Axel and Guns N' Roses to help me with my title today. Look at your neighbor and just say, knocking on heaven's door. Hey, 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 yeah. Anyways, that's my best Axel. Um, let us pray and purify the place once again. Father, thank you so much. God, thank you for the gift of prayer. And God, I just pray in, in all of our hearts today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a revelation about prayer. You would open our eyes to see something that we haven't seen, to know something that we haven't known, to believe something we haven't believed, and give us a tenacity to go after something we haven't gone after. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Knocking on heaven's door. That, that's what we're calling this message. There's three things really that I want to communicate from this passage um, that I want to encourage you with today. And the, and the first one is this, is that prayer is supernatural, but it doesn't come naturally. 
prayer is supernatural. I think, I think pastors have misled people. And I think what we've done, well-intentioned, please understand, I think 99% of the time if a pastor misleads, I know in my own life, I'll speak for me, if I've ever misled anyone, it, it was with the best of intentions, right? Um, I'm really not evil and sinister, no matter what you've heard. All right. And so, and so, um, and so, but I think sometimes we'll say things like prayer is easy. It's just talking to God. And, and listen, that's actually true. That is a, that's a true statement that prayer is just talking to God. It really is. That's the simplicity of it. It's just, it's just talking to God. But I think, I think sometimes we, we, we forget as pastors that although that seems natural talking to people, talking to God isn't, always natural. It's supernatural, but, but it's not always natural. And what I love about this is the disciples are very honest and they come to Jesus, not at the beginning of his ministry. This is at least two and a half years into his ministry. And they come to Jesus again and say, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? I remember I was raised in church, so I learned a lot about prayer because I could hear my daddy pray, and I hear mama pray, and my granny pray, and my papa pray, and, and I mean, I just, I grew up in prayer. You had to understand, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, right? We did not do snakes and, and crazy stuff like that, so if you're thinking, oh my God, that wasn't us, um, and so you've stereotyped, and we forgive you, but... um. But I grew up in prayer meetings and I, I grew up hearing people cry out to God for God to move. And so I learned through osmosis in some ways, I guess, you know, I don't know. But anyway, I, I learned um, how to pray and, and, and to the best of my ability. But I never forget, I went, I went to work for a pastor. Uh, I was actually in college and I went to work part time for a church and a pastor. And this pastor said, uh, we're going to pray. And he gave me a book. I'll, I'll tell you what that book is in a minute. But, but he, he, he made me read this book and it taught me ways to pray. And, and, and I remember thinking, here I am at that point, 21, 20, 21 years old. And I think, oh, I'm finally learning how to pray. Because listen, you can talk to God in a way that doesn't change anything. And you can talk to God in a way that changes everything. And I think sometimes we're confused if we think prayer is just talking to God because we, you can talk to God for an hour about your problem. That doesn't solve it. And a lot of times I think, honestly, we just have holy gripe sessions and call it prayer. God sure wish you'd do something. God, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. But it's really hard for me right now, God. They're not acting right. They're not doing right. These kids you have given me, God. God, I don't know what's wrong with my husband. I wish you'd do something about him. That's talking to God. But I can tell you those are not prayers that will change anything. And I think the disciples had this moment of honesty to say, we don't really know how to pray in a way that gets the results that you seem to get, Jesus. I guess okay. here's what I want you to know. It's okay to not know how to pray. Just don't stay that way. And that's what we see with the disciples. They said, you know what? Here's two things they observed. Number one, we observed, and I'll say it this way, they observed the power of Jesus. And, and, and can I tell you, it was powerful for two and a half years. I mean, first of all, they watched him turn water into wine. That was the first one. Great party trick, right? But, but, but that was the first thing. That, and then they were like, whoa, this is, this is not, it's not normal. 
And, and then they go from there and you talk about, you know, dead people being raised and blinded eyes being opened and lame people walking. And here's what they're saying is there is power in this guy. And when they saw the power, I think they, they started looking for where does the power come from? Because you understand Jesus is, is the best example of a New Testament believer that we can see in the New Testament. Now see, that's humanity of Jesus. Because if he was just God, then it's really encouraging, but it doesn't call me to anything. But if the word of God is true and that I become a joint heir with him and he was a son of God and I am a son of God and I am seated in his place, have his inheritance, right? I am in him. Then all of a sudden, if he were a son and he did all of this as a son of God and the Bible says I'm a son of God, then now he has become an example as an older brother to say this is what the, the most natural New Testament believer is supposed to look like. And so I think they started catching on that, hey, he seems, he keeps telling us to cast out demons and he keeps telling us to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. And, and we keep seeing the results he's getting. Maybe we're not getting exactly the same. What could we tie this to? And the only thing they could tie it to was his prayer life. Yes. Can I just tell you that, that, that your power will never be greater than your prayer? And, and I think, here's the thing. I think we, we sit in church today and we wonder where the power is. And I think God sits in heaven wondering where the prayer is. Oh, I'm sorry. Did y'all come to play church or have it? Right? I, I think most of the time we're like, God, we don't see the power. God, we don't see the power. God, we don't see the power. And God's like, there's three people at prayer meeting. I came to afflict the comforted. Next week, I will comfort the afflicted. But this week, I'm afflicting the comforted. Are you with me? Like, this is just what's, it's, it's burning in me. And we need to understand that, that it's okay to say, you know, I don't, I don't know how to pray, but Jesus got, Jesus got results. Listen, Jesus in the gospel, Jesus prayed alone. Jesus pray, prayed in public. He prayed before meals, before miracles, after miracles, right? He, he prayed before important decisions, like in Luke chapter 6, when he prayed all night before he appointed the 12 apostles, right? He prayed to do the Father's will. Listen, prayer is so, can I just tell you? Can I tell you? There is only one thing that Jesus is doing today that we are certainly sure of. Now think about this because he is, he is the great high priest and Hebrews tells us that, that, that the Old Testament priest stood daily doing their priestly duties, ministering. But they said, Jesus, once he had atoned for all sin, sat down. In other words, the work was over. So Jesus has done the work, but yet there is one thing that he is still doing. Romans chapter eight, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. He is the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. There's only one thing that we're sure of that Jesus is doing right now. And he is still praying for your butt. I said button church. We all have them. Right? I guess that means we can't podcast the nine. We'll get an email. Live, live stream just blew up. Um, but he's still praying for you. 
He's still praying for you. That, I mean, Jesus is, he, he, he is so bought into prayer that even seated at the right hand of God, having, having finished his earthly responsibility, he is still praying for you. Still praying for you. His power life was connected to his, his prayer life. And here they had been with Jesus for over two years, but had to be honest to say, I don't think, I don't think we, we really know how to pray. I believe prayer is the most powerful tool that the believer has if they know how to use it. Right? A tool, can, I just, can we all be honest? A tool is only as good as the person wielding it. Right? I mean, can, can we just be honest with that? And, and we have been given this incredible tool. In fact, look at this, John 16, 23. I, I think it's the most powerful. I'll show you this. This is why John 16. Uh, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross, by the way, John 16. John 14, 15, 16, some of the greatest teaching that because it's his last words, honestly, to his followers in the upper room. And it's what it says. In that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I say to you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, look at this. You've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. In other words, here's what he's saying. You've not had access to the Father in prayer like you're about to. And you've not had my name and authority to ask from like you're about to. And Jesus said, I'm changing everything. When we think about redemption and forgiveness and, and all of that. But he said, here's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you unrestricted access to use my name to ask your Father for what you need. And if it is the most in, in, important or most effective tool that we are given, then perhaps we should learn how to use it as efficiently as we can and as effectively as we can. Uh, here's the second thing. Um, there are right and wrong ways to pray. I think the disciples probably came to grips with, you know, some of the praying we're doing may not be the right way to pray. Remember, remember what I said, prayer is talking to God, but you can talk to God in a way that doesn't change anything, and you can talk to God in a way that changes everything. And, and while prayer is talking to God, there's a way, there's a way you approach Him, and there's a way that you talk to Him. The, the Bible says the, the, the fervent and effective prayer of a righteous man. That tells me that I can be a righteous man who doesn't have fervency in my prayer and who doesn't have effectiveness in my prayer. This is James, right? The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man, what avails much? It tells me it's very possible to be a righteous man and have no fervor for prayer and not pray effectively. So if I'm a righteous man, then, then number one, I want fervor in my prayer, which to me comes from faith and my relationship with God. And I want to pray something that's effective. Right? And this is why I think the teaching, because we call it the Lord's Prayer. To me, it's, it's, it's a model. It's a teaching of prayer where Jesus actually prays is John 17 in the garden. He prays for you, prays for me. He prays for us all. That's, his, that's him praying. It's a great prayer to study. It's the whole chapter pretty much of John 17. But this, to me, is Jesus giving us a, a, giving us a model of prayer. He does it in, in Matthew 6, and he does it again in Luke 11. He's like, when you pray, you know, pray this way. And I think sometimes we miss this, and I think even sometimes people, you know, we just call our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But, but what happened to me when, when I was 
21, and a youth pastor, that pastor gave me a book. I think there are two great books if you want to learn to pray. Uh, number one, Prayers That Avail Much by Charles Capps. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Re- releasing the Ability. There is a book, Prayers That Avail Much, and it is good. Uh, releasing the Ability of God in Prayer. That's Charles Capps. And then also, um, and some of you may be familiar with this, Could You Not Tarry One Hour by Larry Lee. This was the book my pastor gave me. He said, read this and we're going to pray one hour every day. And so on the mornings that I went in early before class, we would go into the auditories, just me and him, and we would pray for an hour. And every day, this is what we did. And and then on, on the mornings where I had class in the mornings, when I got to the school, you know, usually just before lunch, we would go in and we would pray for an hour. And this was a book written by Larry Lee. Larry Lee is actually a Kilgore native and and. whatever you think about him, if you know his story or whatever, I'm not talking about his story. I'm talking about the book. And and the reason I'm talking about the book, now Larry Lee led a prayer revival that that impacted the world based on a revelation of just how to take the Lord's prayer and pray it. And and, um, he actually started a church in Rockwall, Texas when Rockwall, Texas was 750 people. And on a Sunday, I think it would quadruple or quintuple uh, the size of the population when he filled his church up. His church was several times bigger than the city it was in. And it was all built on prayer. And, and so I was, I was a little bit aware of it, but I read the book. And so here's what I want to do real quick. We're talking about prayers that avail much. If you take the Lord's Prayer, you can break it into seven parts. Seven parts. If you want to learn how to pray, you can get that book or Releasing the Ability of God by Charles Caps, and if you can't remember all that, you can email us, but um, those are probably on Amazon, probably on iBooks, however you get that. But, but let me just show you what I'm talking about real quick, because there are right and wrong ways to pray. And so, so this, to me, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, we can break it in to these seven parts. Number one, position. In other words, there is a position of prayer, and I think prayer is best prayed from the right position. And we need to understand that when Jesus starts off teaching on prayer, he said, this is where you start. Our Father. Who he is and where he is are very important things. Our Father who is in heaven. In other words, our Father is the supreme ruler of the universe. We are not throwing up um, prayer Hail Marys to some distant deity on the other side of the universe, hoping, hoping that he might hear one of them. We are praying very, very intimately to someone who knows us very well. Can I just tell you, my dad is in church right now. I guarantee you if I called three times in a row, he'd pick up. Even though he's in church, or if I texted and said, I need to talk right now, I guarantee he'd walk out of the service and call me. You know why? He's my dad. And so, and so he is, so, you know, the person on the other side of my prayer, he's my dad and he's in heaven. He's in a different realm, but he's my dad and he's the ruler of the universe. And I think this is where we start because you can start by praying. You you need to listen. If you're going to have effective prayer, you need to know who you're praying to. There are eight names, eight, we call them the, the Jehovah names of God, if you will, you know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom. Uh, there are just eight of those, but you can go through all the names of God because you need to know who dad is. But if you just start with the eight, let me just give you these, and I'm not going to give you to them in Hebrew because I'm not Hebrew, but, but I just put them in English. Like he's Jehovah, our righteousness. And that's where I'd start because like, God, you're my righteousness today. I don't have to perform. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm in right standing with you. Not because I did good, but because Jesus did everything. And so I start by saying, God, you've made me righteous through your son. Why? Because listen, your prayer will have no confidence. Your prayer will have no power if it has no confidence. And if you're not sure you and God are on good terms, then you're not ever going to pray affected. Can we all just, I mean, this is what the Bible says. If our heart condemns us, we therefore have no confidence towards God. And I think when we approach God, we need to start with, hey, are we okay? Because if we're okay, we're about to get business done. But if I pray a whole prayer thinking I'm not good enough and I haven't done enough and I'm under condemnation, I have no faith and no confidence that dad's hearing anything. But if I start with God, I thank you that I came into your presence, not because I'm good enough, but because Jesus made a way and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and you're my father and you're hearing everything that I've got. To say. So I'll start there. And then you can go on and say, Jehovah who sanctifies. In other words, I've been not only freed from the, from, from, from the, the um, trespass of sin, but from the power of sin. I've been set apart unto God. I belong in th- when I'm praying. Hey, how would you pray if you'd pray this way? I, I'm his. I belong to him. I'm not trying to get in. I'm on the inside. What, what if you went, and, and then Jehovah our peace, that word shalom. So it's, it's body, soul, and spirit peace. It's prosperity, but it's wholeness of soul, wholeness of mind, wholeness of body. Jehovah is there. In other words, he is with me, fighting my battles with me, right? Uh, Jehovah heals. is Jehovah Rapha. God is my healer, right? So whatever I'm dealing with today, according to God, this is just what God says. I know you may have a theology that says God doesn't heal. You can take that up with God because he's really confused about that. Not really. God's pretty confident in what he said about himself, and he is the God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, he's the God who provides. Jehovah my banner, Jehovah Nisei. In other words, God is my victory. This, this word actually infers God does the impossible. He does the miraculous. He, he, he carries my banner, of my cause of what I'm dealing with into battle for me. Or Jehovah Roy, God is my shepherd. Or you might say, I am seen. In other words, I am seen, I am led, I am protected. See, I need to know who I'm praying to. Because when I'm praying, when I know who I'm praying to, then I'll all of a sudden I know who I am. I am forgiven. I am healed. I am blessed. I am prospering, right? Are, are you with me? I have peace. I have soundness. I have wholeness. I have victory. I'm an heir. I'm more than a conqueror. This is a great place to start prayer from. Some of you are just excited. And we haven't even prayed. We've just talked about it. Yeah. And you're like, I haven't been this excited about prayer. I'm gonna go home and pray because we're praying from the right position. Here's the second one. Presence. And I can't spend that much time with all of them, but, but it says, um, our Father, our heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. To, to me, I think prayer is effective when done from heaven and not from earth. Um, I can't remember who said it. One of the great revivalists said, uh, I've never seen anyone receive anything from God who prayed from the earth. Why? Because I'm seated with God in, where are the resources? My God will supply all, all of my needs according to his riches in Right. So where are the resources? Heaven. So where should I pray from? Since I'm seated there right now, I should pray from there. I can pray from lack or abundance. Where would I want to pray from? And so the Bible says we come into his presence with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. In other words, I come into the presence of God. It's okay to throw up a Hail Mary Jesus help. That Sometimes that's all you got time for. But there's times you work into the presence of God and you pray from the presence of God. Then there's the priority. So it's position, presence, priority. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I, I, I don't have time to teach all this, obviously, but, but let, me, let me explain. Most of the time, we throw up a Hail Mary of God bless me. 
right? Now, God's already blessed you, so you're just telling God something he's already done. There's a difference between being blessed and appropriating blessing. Okay, like, God be with us today. Well, I said, son, I'd never leave you or forsake you. It's not a question of if he's going to be with you or not. It's a question of what kind of demand are you going to place on the presence that's already with you. Are you going to depend on him to speak? Are you going to depend on him for wisdom? Are you going to call out to him when you need something? God can't leave you. Might as well talk to him. And so sometimes we, we pray prayers like, God bless us today. I bless you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1. What do you want to do with the blessing? It's not a question of whether you're blessed. It's a question of what you're doing with it. And sometimes we're just telling God what he's already done, which is good. But prayers where we appropriate it, where we put a demand on it, we put a, put a draw on it. Are, are you with me? It's probably the best message on prayer that's ever been preached in the world right here. And you're getting to see it. I'm just kidding, but I'm really excited about it. And so, so a lot of times we start in prayer and then we go to God, meet my needs. But, but there's an order to prayer because God, we're going to get to needs. But first, God, there's something that God's asked us to pray that makes the other parts work. Please hear what I'm about to say. We say, God, I need you to provide. The provision is in the kingdom. And we skip the part of the prayer where we appropriate the reign of the kingdom over the lack of earth. So we're trying to make a withdrawal when we have not brought everything subject to the kingdom. There's an order to the prayer. So if we started with your kingdom, like he's the God, now I'm in his presence. Now there's a priority. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That, that you, you have to understand that, that, that God's highest priority is to see the reign of heaven over the earth. That's the way this whole thing ends if you read the book of Revelation. Spoiler alert, right? Now, let me help you with something. Every prayer that God has ever answered has one thing in common. It accomplishes His will. God will not answer prayers for your will, but He will for His will. Your will will usually work against you. His will always works out for you. Your kingdom come, your... First John 5 said it this way, that this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he will grant the petitions that we ask. We ask anything according to his will. We have to know the will of God. In fact, that's where faith comes from. Uh, Kenneth Hagin used to say it this way, that faith begins where the will of God is known. I can't have faith till I know what God wants to do. Because God will always perform his will. He will not always perform my will. But if my will is his will, we both get what we want. See, present, listen, prayer is not how I get what I want from God. Present, prayer is where God gets what he wants through me. Okay, so provision, then provision. I got to work through this, but this is where we pray for our needs. After we get God's will, God's kingdom, the reign of God over our home, the reign of God over our life, the reign of God over our business. After we get God over it, now we can make withdrawals. Now give us this day. It's where we pray for, for provision. Then pardon. God forgive us. This is where we deal with our sin. We deal with our hearts, right? Because forgive us and forgive those who have hurt us. You understand the same blood that forgives you forgives them. 
And then there's power. This is spiritual warfare. Don't lead us into temptation, but we have, a, we have a power, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Now, you may be sitting here like, oh, are we fighting an enemy? Read the New Testament. He hates you. He's been trying to kill you since you were born. And that may be some of the problems that you're having is you, you've, I remember one time somebody said, I don't believe that, that, that the demonic is still active. And, and my whole thing was like, I understand a lot of people have been taught that way. Don't, you know, don't, don't judge. Like, but hey, let's dig in the word. Let's, let's figure out what the Bible says because Jesus seemed to have a ministry of deliverance and, and even after him, the apostles did. And so and we can read the book of Revelation that tells us the demonic is active right now. There will be a day it all comes then. And so here's what I'm saying is, is that this is where we, ha- we put on the armor of God, put on the whole armor of God, right? This Ephesians 6 this is where we take authority over the enemy coming against our marriage, coming against our kids, coming against our family. Why? Because we have power and authority over what? All the power of the enemy. How much authority do you have over all the power? power of the enemy. Right? And, and, then there's, and then there's praise. This comes back to Matthew 6, 13. For yours is the kingdom, the glory. This is where you make faith. Perfect. God, your, your kingdom's come. Your will is done. God, today, this is what you're doing. Today, this is how you're moving. Today, this is what we're going to see. It's faith, faith pro, 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 proclamations of praise, right? Are you with me? So, so there's a, a right and a wrong way to pray. Now, here's, here's what I want to give you in just the short time we have. Point number three, the power of prayer is in persistence. Now, I want to give you this because to me, this is the greatest revelation I've ever gotten on prayer. I've never read it anywhere. I'm not saying it's not out there. I've just never read it anywhere. Uh, I've only preached it here one time. But if I could tell you anything about prayer, it's that the power's in the persistence, but most people don't understand who we're persisting against or for. So, so right here, Jesus tells us, and I, and I can show you this all through the Bible, but Luke, Luke 11 verse 5, and it says, he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Remember, and he goes to him at midnight, hey, I need some bread because I got some friends that came over and the guy's like, hey, we're all tucked in the bed. I'm not getting up and he's a friend, right? But he said, even though he won't get up because you're a friend, if you keep knock, knock, knocking, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, um, keep knocking. Even though he won't get up because he's a friend, he'll get up because you're shameless persistence. Now, here's where people miss this parable. They think Jesus or God is the friend. And people think you persist in prayer to move God. Most of the time, people think they're trying to wrestle something out of God or get God to do something for them. And I just have to keep hammering and keep hammering. It's just like um, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus teaches again on prayer. Luke gives us this. No other gospel writer does. But it says, but Jesus started by saying, men should always pray and not faint. I would just say this. If you're fainting, you're not praying. If you're praying, you're not fainting. You can't pray. you, You can't pray and faint and you can't faint and pray. It's going to be one or the other. And he said, men should always pray and not faint. And then he talks about this unjust judge who didn't regard man, who didn't fear God, but this woman kept petitioning this judge. And Vice said, even though basically this judge was a terrible person who didn't care about man or God or the law, finally said, you know what? She's wearing me out. I'm going to give her what she wants. And people think, oh, that's God. But God is not unjust. Nor is he unloving or uncaring or immoral. And so what, what Jesus is teaching on prayer, please hear what I'm saying. What Jesus is teaching on prayer, who is the friend? Who is the judge? Well, this friend is the one that is actually holding back provision that God wants to grant and who has set their will against the petitioner. 
And what Jesus says is, when earth has set itself against your provision, you keep knocking, not to move God, but to move earth. You keep knocking, not because God's not with you, but because you and God are partnering to bring about God's will and provision. In other words, who's the unjust judge? That is earth. When earth is set, we are not praying to get God to move. We are praying with God to get earth to move. The holdup is there. Remember Daniel, he prayed and fasted for 21 days. And finally Michael shows up 21. Here's what Michael said. Oh, God released me the first day. But I had to fight through to get here. Who was praying for 21 days? Daniel was providing the prayer support for the angel. You want further proof? Because in Luke chapter 11, he goes on to say, and which of you being evil fathers, if your son asks for uh, bread, will give him a stone? Or would you give him a serpent? But he said, no, no, no. Your father's good. And if you ask him, he'll give you even the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying, listen, you're not persisting in prayer because God doesn't want good and because God's will isn't good. You're persisting in prayer because you and God are partnering in a way that's bringing heaven into the earth. And earth is set against. You don't believe earth set against the will of God? Watch CNN. Watch C-SPAN. Right? If you, if you need proof, read the newspaper and you'll find out that earth is set against the will of God. And God has put a stronghold in earth called the church. And he has given church an effective tool called prayer. And he's saying, hey, keep knocking on heaven's door because you and heaven are partnering in a way that's changing earth. So you haven't seen what you're praying for. Pray until it moves. Pray until it changes. All right, one more picture. You remember Jesus the night that he was betrayed? The night that Jesus was betrayed, he went to pray in the garden. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to the point that blood came out of his pores, right? He prayed until his body was weak. Yet God sends an angel to strengthen him. Why? So he can pray more. What's interesting about this, interestingly enough, is he had already surrendered to the will of God. If this cup, then let it pass for me. But nevertheless, your will, not mine. So, so why does he need to pray? He already told God he would do it. Here's why. Because he had to be murdered. In a kangaroo court, he had to be convicted. God was not going to condemn him or convict him or try him or murder him. So Jesus had to partner with heaven for the will of God, which was God had to move Judas to betray him and the priest to set him up and the people to shout against him and Pilate to wash his hands up. Jesus didn't keep praying because he, Jesus didn't keep praying because he hadn't surrendered to the will of God. He kept praying until earth executed the plan of God, whether they wanted to or not. Maybe you should just keep praying. That's all I got to say, really. Not much. Can you just thank God for prayer? Can you thank God for prayer? Come on. He has given us an invitation and access to partner with him in a way that changes the course of human history. He has given us access and an opportunity 
to partner with him in a way that changes the course of human history. He has given us a tool called prayer. And he's given us 24-7 access. Man, just sit in that for a minute. Why don't you stand?